Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. I don't know about you, but I saw a lot of movies as a kid, and few of them really moved me. If there was one movie that made an impression on me, it was the movie Roots. It was so riveting to watch Kunta Kinte ripped from his family in Western Africa, taken through the horrific Middle Passage. I'll never forget the scenes of him insisting that his name is Kunta Kinte and not Toby while being beaten by his masters. I always knew that slavery was wrong, but the story of this man and this family made the struggles of slavery in this country feel so much more real. The Civil War ended 156 years ago, but it seems like a different world where slavery was part of the fabric of American society. Thankfully, we've seen the abolition of slavery and the fulfillment of the true vision of the founders of this country. This coming week, the country marks President's Day, remembering Abraham Lincoln. Astonishingly, some people have come to associate Lincoln with white supremacy. In reality, Lincoln was a singular hero responsible for bringing the vision of freedom to fruition here. In Lincoln's days and before, I think religious Christians played a major role in the abolitionist movement, as they frankly felt that slavery contradicted the sanctity of human life. But on the other hand, of course, many Southern Christians defended slavery, and they pointed to passages in the Bible that seem neutral about slavery. In fact, in our Parsha this week, Mishpatim, we find laws that pertain to servitude, both the Hebrew servant as well as the non-Jewish servant. Now, the Torah is written at a time when slavery was a fact of life. So what is the Torah's outlook on servitude? It's important as Jews, that we understand the ethics of Torah. Is abolition of servitude a Jewish vision? Does Judaism agree with the Christians who are abolitionists? In today's podcast, I want to consider the deeper message with you about Torah and its view on slavery and servitude. How do we square the Torah's laws with modern morals? And if there is a message in Torah about servitude, How do we apply that to our lives? We all know that slavery is a critical theme. It lies at the heart of our story. We were slaves in Egypt. We were formed through the crucible of leaving slavery. Our story was an inspiration for black slaves in this country. The beginning of our Parsha Mishpatim takes place immediately after the Aserah Sedibros, the Ten Commandments, and we're given the laws of the Eved Ivri, the Hebrew servant. And the Torah describes how the Hebrew servant is supposed to leave his master after six years. But if he chooses, the servant can opt in to servitude for longer. But he has to have his ear bored through with an awl, and then he's marked as a servant. Now, Rashi asks, why does the Torah say to bore through his ear of all limbs? And our rabbis teach us, well, this is the same ear that heard a great statement at Sinai. At Sinai, Hashem told the Jewish people, we have left the house of servitude to Paro in order to become servants unto Hashem. Avadaihem. 
They are my servants, Hashem says, not servants unto Egypt. In fact, we learned at Sinai that a Hebrew servant cannot be enslaved in perpetuity. All servants, even those who love their master, must go free in the Yovel year, in the 50th year. The Torah says that in that Jubilee year, in that Yovel, you shall proclaim freedom throughout the land for all of the inhabitants. That verse, Vayikra 25.10, was actually an inspiration to the founding fathers of this country, and it's actually inscribed on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. And in that passage, the Torah says that the Hebrew cannot be a slave in perpetuity. The Torah says, Because the Jewish people are servants unto me. Rashi comments, and it's brought in this week's Parshan Mishpatim, Avadai Haim, they are my servants, Velo Avadim Avadim. They are not meant to be servants unto servants. And so if a person heard this declaration at Sinai with their ear, and yet they went out and they sold themselves off as a servant, they have not absorbed the lesson of Har Sinai. But why would a person even want to sell themselves into servitude? And the answer is that servitude in ancient Israel really functioned in a very different way than we think of slavery in modern terms. Let's say that a person committed theft. Then servitude was a means of rectifying that damage. A person could pay off their societal debts through a period of servitude. Now what's apparent from all this, though, is that the Torah does have a negative view of servitude. If a person chooses to stay in that servitude, for whatever reason, I love my master, then the rabbis teach us the message of Sinai has not reverberated within them. The true realization of Torah is when we free ourselves of human shackles in order to serve Hashem. In fact, our rabbis teach us, There is no one who is more free than the person who is occupied in the study of Torah. This is a, a negative view of servitude, and it's actually echoed in the Haftarah of Mishpatim. It's a passage from Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, which describes events that took place right up towards the end of the first temple period. And at that time, King Tzidkiah proclaimed freedom for the Hebrew servants. However, the people reclaimed their servants shortly after. Here are the words of the Navi at that time. So says Hashem, God says, I sealed the covenant with your forefathers on that day that I took them out of Egypt from the house of slaves, saying, At the end of the seventh year, each of you shall set free his Jewish brother, who will be sold unto you. So it's quoting, it's speaking about our Parsha. The Haftarah continues, Today you repented and did what is just in my eyes for every man to proclaim freedom for his fellow, and you sealed the covenant before me. V'tashuvu, but then the prophet says, you reversed yourselves. V'tchalu me, and you desecrated my name. V'tashivu esavdo v'yichashivchaso, you brought your your servants back. V'tichbashu osam lios l'cham l'avadim l'shvachos, you brought back your bondsmen and your maidservants unto you. And so here again, generations after the Torah, 
we find what is in essence a negative view of servitude. In the eyes of Hashem, what Sidkiyahu did was correct. The Jewish people should not have brought back their Hebrew servants because the Jewish people are meant to be devoted servants of Hashem, not of flesh and blood. And so in this world of the Torah where slavery really was a fact of life, this was a brave new step. To be a servant of Hashem, the the Torah says, we have to break apart human shackles. Servitude to flesh and blood undermines our calling to serve God. And yet, servitude also has a practical function in that world. It was a social ladder. Take the poor Hebrew maidservant who's given a chance to marry into the wealthy family of her master, as our Parsha describes, or the Hebrew male servant who can rectify his past. So these are some good social programs, but they should not last beyond six or seven years. In a worst case scenario, the Evid, the servant, must go free in the Yovel Jubilee year when freedom is proclaimed. And so perhaps then the deeper problem is the scenario of the non-Jewish slave. Now there are some laws that protect the non-Jewish slave. For example, if the Jewish master beats his servant and he dies, the Jewish master is actually punishable by death. And I think that's an important thing. A Jew is subject to capital punishment for killing a non-Jewish slave. The Torah recognizes the sanctity of the human life of the non-Jewish servant. In fact, there's a fascinating passage in Yirmiyahu. We find the story of a servant. He happens to be black, Ethiopian. And this servant, it's not Jeremiah's servant, but he helps Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, get out of a very deep pit where the prophet was trapped. And he did so at great sacrifice. And after that, the Navi blesses this black servant that God should help him since he trusted in God. And so what we have here is the words of a Navi, a prophet, saying that even a servant, and even a servant of a different race, can cling to Hashem. This servant trusted in the Creator to do what was morally right, and therefore he deserves to be blessed. So here's a very clear example where the Torah contradicts racism. And yet, the Torah allows servitude and even strict discipline to exist. The Rambam in the Mishnah Torah really grapples with this issue. I want to read to you a passage from the Rambam as we consider the message that the Rambam took from the Torah about servitude. The Rambam writes, It is permissible to work a heathen servant relentlessly, and even though it is lawful, The quality of benevolence and paths of wisdom demand that a human being be merciful, striving for justice. One should not press his heavy yoke on his servant and torment him, but should give him to eat and drink of everything. The sages of old were in the habit of sharing with the servant every dish they ate, and they fed the servants before they fed themselves. Nor should a master disgrace his servant by hand or by words. He should not madly scream at a servant, but speak to him gently and listen to his complaints. The Rambam continues, Cruelty is to be found only among those who worship idols. The people of Israel, however, upon whom God bestowed the goodness of the Torah, commanding them to keep the laws of goodness, 
are merciful towards all creatures. So too, in speaking of the divine attributes, which God commanded us to imitate, King David the psalmist says, Hashem's mercy is over all of his works. What can we make of this passage in the Rambam? On the one hand, the Rambam does accept servitude. On the other hand, it seems like a far cry from what we know of as slavery in our own reading of history. Just imagine the idea that the servant cannot be degraded and must be treated with dignity. The Rambam lived in the 12th century. He lived 500 years before slaves ever arrived upon the shores of this country. So his whole life predated the Industrial Revolution and the modern debate about slavery. He was immersed in a world where servitude was a fact of life. And even in that world, so distant from ours, his teaching on servitude was that a person must treat the servant with dignity, and that the servant is fed first, and that the Jewish attribute of mercy is given to that servant. That was the message that the Rambam took from the Torah. And so, what is the Torah's approach to servitude? Seemingly, the Torah did accept the existence of servitude, which was a basic part of human society, and yet the Torah also saw this institution as undermining Jewish striving to be servants of God. And what's more, even when it came to non-Jewish slaves, the Torah recognized that they too are created in the divine image. The non-Jewish servant must be treated with dignity. And we can even look farther forward as we ask, what is the ultimate long-term message in Tanakh? And as we explore the Torah's future vision, it's a very futuristic vision, the Torah foresees a time when all flesh and blood will recognize Hashem and the name of God will be poured out upon all the nations. Like we read the famous Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Isaiah says, Knowledge of Hashem will cover the earth like water covers the seabed. As a result, nations will serve Hashem. As Stephania says, For then I will change the nations to speak a pure language, so that they will all proclaim the name of Hashem, for all the nations to serve God with united resolve. What does the future hold? In the end of days, this portion of serving God will not be the select mission of Israel. It will be the mission of all mankind. The Torah took steps to limit servitude, which was an inherent part of society. In the end, all of humanity will swim in the sea of knowledge of God. And in that world, all peoples will be servants unto Hashem and not unto flesh and blood. The Torah comes to us from a distant world. And even in that world, the Torah categorically rejects the form of slavery that was found here in this country before the Civil War. The Torah sees every human being as created in the divine image. Even where there's a necessity of servitude, every human being is deserving of respect and dignity. And then there's that deeper vision of the prophets, where in the future all of mankind 
will find their calling as servants of God and not as servants unto flesh and blood. Indeed, it's the Jewish vision of to fix the world through Hashem's kingship. So, to go back to our question about abolition, clearly, the approach of Christian abolitionists is very compelling from a Torah standpoint. And if anyone asks you what the Torah approach to servitude is, tell them this. The vision of Sinai is avadaihim. We are servants unto Hashem. As King David says, and we quote in Tehillim, Ani avdecha ben amatecha. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. Pitakta lemose rai. Break apart my shackles. I just want to serve you. And as our rabbis teach us, the only truly free person is the one who's occupied in the Torah and the word of God. So make sure that you hear the message of Sinai in your own life. Find the places where you can become preoccupied with the word of Hashem. And as we do so, we'll look look forward to a time when liberty and freedom will be proclaimed throughout the land. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.